She's a business mogul. Number one. And wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. And we have Sean Tassone, and he is the author of the Hormone Balance Bible. And we are so excited to have him. Sean, welcome. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. So let's, you know, I've, I'm about 60%, maybe 70% done with your book. I'm loving it right now. Thank you. Give us a little bit of a glimpse of it. Give us a little bit of a tasting of kind of the best parts that people are saying that they're really learning the most about. Well, the, I think the reason that, uh, the, first of all, the, every book, I mean, as you're well aware, comes from a personal journey of sorts, a spiritual journey. And in my case, it was my mom passing away from ovarian cancer, um, which I was deeply aware of as a gynecologist. But what I found was I couldn't help my mom feel better, not live longer, but feel better while she was suffering. And so I went through my integrative medicine training and all this other stuff. And then what I noticed with my own patients was as I would talk to women, about hormone imbalances, low testosterone, say they, I, I, I would get the message to them, but I didn't feel like I was really resonating with them. But when I started, I was doing a lot of work with archetypes and just reading a lot of archetypal stuff and it, archetypes are just a storyline. Um, and so what I found was if I said to a patient, oh, you have low testosterone, and I started telling the story of like the nun, which is what I call low testosterone. They were light bulbs were going off left and right. And then I had a six step process that I call shines, which is a spiritual practice, hormones, infaceutical information, meaning like energetic aspects of medicine, nutrition, exercise and supplements. And so what I did was I, I came up with the 12 most common imbalances that I see in my practice. And each of those six, uh, 12 imbalances has a six step protocol to help heal those of which five of those six are things you can do on your own and just dumped it all into the book. Mm, I love that. So what are you seeing as kind of, you know, if you had a hundred women come to you, what is the most issues that people are coming to you with? Is it low progesterone? Is it low testosterone? Is it low estrogen? Is it just the balance of it? Talk about that. So for those women that were searching online at like midnight, just with problems, like you're talking pain points, uh, I was, I was trying to figure out a way that they could at least kind of get a place to start because the book's like 500 pages. So I do have a, a quiz that, you know, it's not scientific, but it's 36 questions. They're all weighted and um, what I found, what I thought was going to be the number one thing was going to be estrogen dominance or high estrogen because I see it all the time. The reality is over and far and away is a testosterone deficiency uh, that and it's even confirmed with labs. Women in all age groups from their 20s because they're on birth control pills to menopause because the ovaries produce about 50% of testosterone in women. Uh, so testosterone deficiency would probably be the first thing I, or sorry, estrogen, high, high estrogen is second, low testosterone is first. And then third, uh, most common is probably a low functioning thyroid. And so for you, 
Can you kind of talk about what numbers you like to see on some of the thyroid that you go, you know, we, we always say, you know, functional medicine doctors, their window of normal is kind of right here and it's a lot wider for regular doctors. So what are the, what do you love to see people's numbers look at? And, you know, what are you looking at? Are you looking at TSH, free T3, um, you know, free T4, reverse T3? What are, what are the numbers you're looking at and where do you like them to be? So at different hormones, uh, uh, different hormones have different ways I look at them. So thyroid is what you're talking about. I will look at TSH, free T3, free T4. If they have a family history of uh, autoimmune, I'll look at uh, antibodies and things like that. The one that I tend to focus on, most allopathic endocrines, all those folks will focus mostly on the TSH. Um, TSH is kind of a thyroid stimulating hormone. It's kind of a it's an indicator that something could go on, but it's not actually a thyroid hormone. It's a brain hormone. It's a pituitary hormone that tells the thyroid what to do. So free T3 is the active form of thyroid in your blood, whereas free T4 is like a storage hormone. So T4, I always say, is like money in the bank. T3 is like you spending the money. So I will look at both of those, but the one that I tend to focus on is the free T3. And if you look at the range in most labs, it's uh, 2.2 to say 4.4. Um, most women, and the way I describe hormones to patients is, let's say you come in and your free T3 is 2.3. Okay, so you're in the house, but you're in the basement of the house. And maybe you would feel better in the, on the main floor at three, three and a half. Um, and so, and what I found was that the range is based on the way they get lab ranges is they'll take 10,000 people that are normal or feel okay. They'll draw free T3 on all 10,000 of them. They'll take the top 5% and the bottom 5%. And then everybody else, that 90% in the middle is normal, but that might not be your normal. Okay. So if you might feel horrible at a 2.3 on your free T3, but if you were at 3.3, you might feel great. So I don't just look at the number. I actually will look at the symptoms too. So like uh, generalized fatigue, hair thinning, uh, weight gain, um, brain fog, things like that. If, if they have a lot of those and see when I talk about like say uh, low thyroid, I call that archetype in my book, the underdog, because those women aren't able to do the things that they could because they just don't have the energy and they don't feel good. And so um, those women I find um, do better. And I start talking about the underdog, you know, you can't get the things done. You want to get done. Your hair's falling out. You're tired all the time. And, and if they're like, yep, yep, yep. Then I start talking to them about possible replacement or even using maybe a supplement or things that she can do to, to raise those levels. One of the things that I really want to encourage you guys to do is to be getting at least seven hours of quality sleep every night. I personally need at least eight or eight and a half, but I know it's hard to get that much sleep. Your mind keeps you awake and you just can't get comfortable, but there are hundreds of reasons why you can't get quality sleep. But it is so important because this is how your body heals itself. So if you want to get a better night's sleep, for me, it's getting enough magnesium. And believe it or not, around 75% of people, I think it's even higher than that, don't get enough. And that's what causes sleep problems. So 
One of the things about this one magnesium that I'm obsessed with is that it actually has seven unique forms of magnesium. And you must get all of them if you want to get that calming, sleep-enhancing effects. And that's why I recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Optimizers. So all you need to do is take two capsules before you go to bed and you will be absolutely amazed how much better sleep you get. I actually ran out of it um, for like two days and those two days I didn't get good enough sleep. So it literally, I've literally tested it. For our listeners, you are going to get an exclusive offer. Go to magbreakthrough.com slash waste away and you're going to save up to 42%. So make sure you put that coupon code of waste away. Well, let me go ahead and read a question from a listener. Her name is Mary Beth Lugaris um, in Arkansas. She says, I'm 49 years old. I'll be 50 in a month. Happy early birthday to me, LOL. I still get my period every single month, but it's not as regular as it used to be. I heard on your last podcast that you get bad migraines and throw up and I'm getting the same migraine headache, but I heard your headache is on day four, but mine is on day one. I'm literally throwing up sometimes because my headaches are so bad and I have to take time off work. I am taking testosterone and progesterone cream from a compounded pharmacy. I'm taking progesterone from day 15 to 30 and testosterone every day. The doctor has now said, maybe I should start taking progesterone from day one to 15 as well. All my tests are coming back okay, but it's very hard to read some of these hormone tests because they give you so many ranges depending on when you took the test. I'm really confused and wanted to see if you had any ideas since you're going through the same thing that I am. Mary Beth Lugaris. Um, there's a lot going on there. Uh, obviously I would, I would obviously say I, I, I can't give a medical advice, but if this woman say were my patient and I'll speak in generalizations, but the migraines, in my opinion, the first thing that, that made that triggered me about that was if the migraines are happening on day one of the cycle, that could probably be more related to prostaglandin release from the lining of the uterus. So some women, when they start to menstruate, the lining breaks down and some women will release a huge amount of a chemical called a prostaglandin. Now it's the same chemical we use to induce labor. So a couple of things happen with that prostaglandin release, uh, cramping, obviously, uh, it causes vasodilation. So you'll bleed more. But that vasodilation for some can trigger the migraine. Uh, prostaglandins in high doses also cause nausea and vomiting. So uh, it could be that if we could decrease the um, amount of prostaglandin release or use prostaglandin inhibitors like Motrin, uh, fish oil, uh, magnesium, things like that, that maybe we could curtail that a little bit. Uh, second would be she may and someone like you who's on day four, you all could be triggered by the, the drop in progesterone. And so you could just be ultra sensitive to that progesterone drop because progesterone stabilizes the blood vessels in the brain. So when we take that away from you, it could maybe trigger the migraine. And so for her, um, being that she has hers on day one, I probably would, as if she were my patient, I probably would have recommended maybe taking the progesterone every day uh, because then she wouldn't have that drop. Or we could 
um, give her a high dose of fish oil, magnesium, maybe even consider something like maca and have her take that on a daily basis. But as she gets closer to her menses, probably double the dose for a few days, because if we can, uh, fish oil is going to shift her uh, from releasing that prostaglandin uh, E2 to changing it probably to, to a prostaglandin F2, which might not cause the migraine that she's having. So there's different things you can try. So let me ask you this, because, you know, one of the things that, you know, I think I read on Google that when I Googled it was that one of the biggest reasons for a migraine headache during that time is the difference in the amount of estrogen and progesterone. So if she's taking too much progesterone and the estrogen is really low, could that difference, you know, in that in the estrogen and progesterone level be the reason of causing the headache and would taking maybe she's taking too much progesterone. Could that possibly be an, an issue or no? There's, there's an, there's never or always in medicine. So sure. Any medication can cause any, any side effect. Now, usually we treat, I would treat migraines with higher doses of progesterone. So a lot of the times, um, progesterone can help a migraine, but in some, maybe it doesn't. Now, when you talk about, uh, ranges and ratios, so the, the things like thyroid and testosterone, I'll look at the range. But with estrogen and progesterone, I will look at those ratios because what I have found over the last 20 years, women tend to do better when their estradiol to progesterone ratio is around 10 or 20 to one. And I find that a lot of women um, will be more like, like take, for instance, I saw three people yesterday, 600 to one, 200 to one, uh, 1200 to one. And so now you have to keep that in mind with their uh, where they are in their cycle, because the first half of their cycle, that ratio is going to be off anyways, because estrogen's higher, progesterone's lower. However, if we take, uh, a, I would say to get the blood drawn when you're actually having your migraine to see, and I know that would be horrible, but it would give me an idea of what your hormones are actually doing that day. And so if we looked at her on the day that she was having uh, the issue and yeah, her ratio was off, then it would probably be better to help her bring her progesterone levels up. Or if for some reason her estrogen levels are very high, we could add some things like fiber and uh, calcium deglucurate, things like that, that can help bring the estrogen levels down more naturally. Mm. Okay. Can you say those numbers one more time? Cause that's, I yeah. think it's a real nugget of like during the different times, what should your progesterone be? Just give, give the ratios and then give some sample numbers so people can understand. So, and obviously this is not something that you could find in a research paper. This is me practicing on, you know, 40,000 women over the last 20 years and kind of coming to this conclusion based on my own data. But what I see is if you look at estradiol and progesterone, and let's say that the ideal time to draw a test would be on day 21 of your cycle. So that's when your progesterone level should be peaking, probably somewhere around 5 to 15, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, your estrogen level should be around 10 to 1, uh, 10 estradiol to progesterone, 10 to 1. Um, if you're on day 21 or 22 and your, your estrogen say is 300, but your progesterone is 
that's a 600 to one ratio. And so that's where I start seeing more problems with like heavy periods, uh, cramping, endometriosis, fibroids, uh, you know, the whole nine yards, migraines. And so if, but if we had uh, an estradiol level of say of a hundred and our uh, progesterone level was eight, well, that's, that's a better ratio. And so those women, at least from what I have seen, tend to do a lot better. So women say with PMDD or premenstrual PMS, they come in, we draw, I usually will specifically try to draw their blood levels in that time frame because that's when they're having their problems. And usually I'll find ratios that are, you know, hundreds or 200, 300 to, to, to one or whatever. And by adding progesterone to those women, uh, I mean, it can be miraculous at, at times. They just, they sleep better. And that's the other thing when progesterone is low, if you're not sleeping very well, um, that could trigger a migraine too. So there's other ways that the migraines could be coming in. Got it. So as far as someone's thyroid goes, I know that you, that's a big piece of what you look at when you are looking at someone's thyroid, what are you seeing is kind of the biggest thing that women are coming to you that are, is an issue with their thyroid, even if they're currently on thyroid medicine. Um, you mean what? What do I see as uh, some of the problems that they're having, or what do yeah, I? Yeah, so see? someone comes in and they're like, "I'm on thyroid medicine right now. I'm still okay. tired. I'm yeah. still having a lot of the symptoms of someone who, you know, has thyroid issues, but but I'm taking the medicine right. and I'm still not feeling better." Okay. So okay, I use so there's different types of thyroid medication. So a lot of women will go on say Synthroid. Uh, or Teresin. Uh, those are two pretty commonly prescribed medications, especially with like endocrinologists and things like that. Now, Teresin and Synthroid are T4. That's all. It's just straight T4. So here's the problem is sometimes those women will be getting uh, these medications and their storage that I talked about, their storage hormone is great. They have a lot of money in the bank, as it were. But if they can't convert the T4 into a T3, then it's really not activated and it's not helping them a whole lot. So sometimes I'll have women come in that are on hormones or they're on one of those medications and they feel miserable. And it might be because they just aren't converting that hormone over. Now, uh, other medications like NP thyroid, Armour thyroid, uh, those are glandular medications, meaning they're made from pig glands. Uh, thyroid, and they have both the T3 and the T4. So it's usually 80% T4 or 20% T3 ratio. And so you're giving them storage and you're giving them active. If those women come in and they're on, say, NP thyroid and their doctor started them on something and they're just still miserable, or if I start them on, on some NP thyroid and they feel they feel a little bit better, but not exactly where they want to be, what I do is I'll look back at the T3 and if it's if they were, say, at 2.3, we talked about how that's kind of low normal and I got them up to, say, 2.8, but they're still tired. I might go up on the dose from, say, 30 milligrams to 60 milligrams, and I'll just keep stepping them up until we get them into a uh, the middle range, so to say, or their symptoms get better. Some women would go from, say, 2.2 to 2.6 or 2.7, and they might feel great. So I'm not going to, I don't just treat the labs. I'll also treat their symptoms. 
And what are you seeing are kind of the biggest issues from people being able to convert it? Is it liver or kidney issues? Is it heavy metals, inflammation, people's diet? And is there anything that you've seen kind of like, you know, adding selenium or zinc or anything like that as a supplement that's helping them to convert that T4 into T3? The supplement that helps most with thyroid is iodine. The problem with iodine is you can't, one, it's hard to get, first of all, I'm not going to eat sea vegetables. That's just me, but some people like them. So that's where you're going to get a lot of iodine from. But the problem is you can also take too much iodine and then you can make yourself hyperthyroid. So you want to do that somewhat carefully. I would think that the people that aren't converting it's probably a lot of things. It could be other medications that they're using, like a birth control pill. It could be um, their their genetics. It could be because of these things tend to run in families. And it is weight factors, you know, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things that probably factor into that. There's no test we can run to show how you process your, you know, your conversion, but it's, it's probably embedded in the genetics more than anything. Hey guys, I really want you to join our Intermittent Fasting and OMAD Facebook group. We're doing tons of giveaways right now for posting your before and after pictures and just for posting a question in there. We're giving away free protein shakes, some digest aid, all kinds of fun stuff. So please join our Intermittent Fasting and OMAD Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. Is there anything as far as kind of the quality of life and kind of things that people do that you have found really helps people to help their hormones to be more balanced. Like if it's lowering sugar or, you know, working out or eating enough protein, like if you said, you know, if there was three things that a woman could do that would really help these, these, hormones balance better, it would be these three, what would it be for you? Well, for, in my opinion, the, 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 the number one thing is sleep. Um, and a lot of women that I see probably 35 to 65 don't sleep. Their sleep patterns are all screwed up and, um, they're waking up in the middle of the night and grabbing their phone or they're having a hard time falling asleep. And so that's the main thing is really, if we could get everybody sleeping well, six to eight hours, uninterrupted sleep, that would be huge. Um, obviously, I think any sort of um, cleaning up your diet and getting rid of processed carbs for sure. And, you know, more, more your area, but processed carbs, eating really good fats, lean proteins, and then probably looking at you know, even considering like certain food allergies and things that, you know, you do better with versus that. But I think it's focusing on the inflammation side of things. If you can really decrease the inflammation in your body um, and, and using food as a medicine in a sense, uh, because your hormones do come from cholesterol. So I'm not a huge fan of low fat diets. I think eating good, healthy fats and eating as much of those as you want, it, you know, within reason, um, will help more than anything. And, and I'm, you know, I use dairy, but I, you know, I don't use a lot of dairy, but I don't think you necessarily have to eliminate things, but, and then another thing you probably are acutely aware of is I'm a, I'm a fan of intermittent fasting. I think if you can incorporate that into not everybody, but most hormone issues, 
with the exception of maybe low cortisol and things like that, you'd actually do pretty well if you could do the intermittent fasting. And for some, they, you know, they, they don't want to do the 16, eight fast They you know, but if you can do 12 hour fasting, you know, overnight, that's great, whatever you can get your body into. And then I always tell people do it as many days as you can. It doesn't have to be an all or none thing. And then kind of a, a weird one or a fun one is uh, I have two little things. One is to, at the end of your shower, try to turn the water cold as you can for up to 60 seconds, if you can do it. Uh, that's a restarter for like cortisol and things like that. And number two is to just eat a little teeny square of uh, dark chocolate. So anything above 67% cacao would be great. I did a video where I, I went up the scale all the way to 98%. Oh, that, I can't do that. But, um, but yeah, but it's not milk chocolate, but just a, a little square of dark chocolate. So as far as if you had, I know that you kind of have like an integrative hormone quiz kind of that Mm -hmm. does, and you talk about your six step shine protocol, Mm -hmm. talk about what those six steps are and give us a glimpse into that. So the quiz is at uh, tassonemd, T-A-S-S-O-N-E-M-D.com backslash quiz. It's free. Uh, it's actually not, everybody's got a quiz obviously these days, but it's not like a five question quiz. It's 36 questions. And on the back end, I have this mathematical algorithm because I majored in math in college. So I really do think it's, Me too. yeah, um, we're nerds, I guess. Uh, it, uh, it's very good and I, uh, people get really good results or they, it's pretty close. Nothing's as good as labs. Um, but take the quiz. It'll give you the archetype. It'll give you at least based on how you answered the questions, what I feel like your hormone imbalance might be. Then from there, the shines protocol is just kind of like, you know, you got to have an acronym helps you remember things. The S is a spiritual practice. So that could be uh, anything from uh, journaling to uh, like, let's say for the nun, for instance, nuns are becoming a nun as it were, Uh, low testosterone isn't a bad thing, but when it becomes a bad thing is say like if the nun is cloistered, meaning she stays in the house, she's not going out and doing things because that's a sign of testosterone deficiency. And that's just since you feel meh, you feel kind of blah and people are asking you to do the stuff that you would normally do and you just don't want to go do it. So for a nun, a spiritual practice might be just getting outside every day and walking for 30 minutes, you know, get out in the sun and don't stay locked up in your house. Uh, The H is hormonal modulation, which is working with a provider that can help you prescribe hormones if that's the route that you want to take. The I is uh, infaceuticals, which is uh, a friend of ours. You probably know Harry Massey from NES Health, Um, but Harry talks about infaceuticals, meaning that energetic transfer of information to the body. And I I call that my my woo factor, my 20 or so percent woo that I have where people that want to try things that might be energetically based like Reiki or healing touch or essential oils that can convey energetic information to the body. So each of the 12 has that little aspect. Uh, the N is nutrition, which is pretty obvious. And, and for me, nutrition is if it was a pyramid. Uh, like a food pyramid, nutrition would be the biggest one at the bottom because I think that one's the most important. 
and there's dietary recommendations, most of which are going to follow along a low carb, high fat kind of diet, but some like with low cortisol, I, I don't necessarily want people restricting things because they're already exhausted and I want them to eat uh, good calories. But the E is then exercise. And exercise is going to vary from high intensity interval training to um, walking um, based on, you know, what I think, because people, especially some of these women that um, low cortisol, I call the saboteur because those women have sabotaged their own health because they take care of everybody else except for themselves. And so um, that's kind of the end stage of high cortisol, which I call the workaholic. So workaholics basically turn into saboteurs if they let things go. I don't want those women. See, this is a woman who I just saw a lady yesterday, three kids under the age of seven. She's a pharmaceutical rep. So she's driving all the time in her car. She's not really getting out doing anything. She gets home late. She's eating kind of poorly because she's in the car all the time. Um, she doesn't get a whole lot of help at home. So she's taking care of her husband and she's taking care of her kids and she's busting her butt at her job. And she's basically just fried. That's a saboteur cortisol levels. The last thing I need her to do is go out and, and, you know, run two miles because she's just burnt out. And so I'm trying to get them to slow down. Actually a friend of ours, and I'll mention her name because she, um, uh, she's done this on YouTube with me, uh, Deb Atkinson, who um, has Flipping 50, works out all the time. That's her brand, right? So Deb had low cortisol. She was a saboteur going, running her business, doing all these things. And so I had to tell her, don't, act, don't work out. And she freaked out because she's like, that's what I do. That's my thing. And so she slowed down a lot and she lost seven pounds in a month. So it's, it's, it just, you know, it's just like I said, and this isn't me telling women what to do. This is 40,000 women that I've listened to that gave me all this information that I've filtered down into this. And then the final S is supplementation, which is just another avenue. Some women don't want to use medications. So um, I'll try to make supplement recommendations. I'm not uh, one of those here, take these five supplements for $700. I'm more of a purist with supplements. So I'll use fish oil. I'll use magnesium. I don't use like a lot of proprietary blends that have 15 things in them because I don't know if they work. So I use probably six or so supplements that I spread around, but each of the 12 has a supplement guide. If you want to try supplements, cause you don't want to try it and you can pick and choose. You can do all of them. You can do one or two of them. And it's really, it's kind of more of a do it yourself thing. Hey guys, I'd love for you guys to listen to a podcast that we did about the side effects from wine and the differences between natural wine and traditional wine. So go to ChantelRayway.com slash wine and you'll see transcripts, you'll see some different episodes, but here's the thing. You can get your penny bottle now of dry farm wines and make the decision that if you're going to have wine to make sure you have the most natural, healthy wine in the world with no ad additives, only natural ingredients. All the other wines out there have so much sulfate, so much sugar. Why put that poison in your body? So get your penny bottle now at ChantelRayWay.com slash wine. Mm, I like that. Well, you guys have to go out and get the Hormone Balance Bible. It's amazing. I'm wrapping it up now and enjoying every minute of it. What have I not asked you that you want women to know? 
I would tell you, because uh, I say this all the time, um, normal isn't always normal. And you know yourself better than anybody else. And I've, by the time most women get to me, they've probably seen three other doctors and they've had their hormones checked and they've been told they're no, your hormones are normal. You're just getting older. You got to eat better. You got to lose weight. But they feel miserable. And then I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody come in who their hormones are indeed normal, but their testosterone is 0.2 and it could be 6.4, which is the high end of free testosterone. I could multiply their testosterone 30 fold and they'd still be normal, but I would think they might feel a hell of a lot better. So, and they do. And so it's not, don't, if you feel miserable, and you're told that everything's normal, find somebody else, go find another doctor. There are other people. I'm not the only person out there doing this. There are people out there that really focus on this. Um, some of them are functional, some are not, but I still actually take insurance. I don't know why, but I do. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm probably one of the only people that does, but, uh, but yeah, I just think this should be available to every woman. And I do a lot of the other thing that's in the book is how to test your hormones. I use blood and urine. I'm not a huge fan of saliva except for cortisol. And, you know, serum testing, blood testing is covered by insurance. So it's easy to do. Uh, it's usually covered and you should feel better. And women, I'll close on this. I get them feeling better. And inevitably, they always say to me, how long should I take these hormones? And it's funny because how long do you want to feel better? Um, how long do you, women, I just think we make women feel like they should suffer for some odd reason, probably since the time of Eve, we just have always had this in society where you should feel better, but not, you know, let's, let's check back in six months and make sure you're, you know, if you feel good on these hormones, then stay on them. If you feel good, they protect your bones, they protect your heart. There's also very good things. And I think we scared the but Jesus out of women with the women's health initiative 15 years ago, but that's another podcast topic in and of itself. Um, and hormones can be really safe if you do them the right way. Okay. Two more questions. I really want you to dive one more time into, I just heard you say you really prefer the blood and the urine mm -hmm. test. And I've heard other people that are like, I love the saliva test. Mm -hmm. And it seems like someone, people either love blood, they love the urine or they love the saliva. What's the, kind of the difference and the benefits of each? And why do you like kind of the blood or the urine best? And then number two, I know that you're still taking patients and I know that you're in Round Rock, Texas. So mm -hmm. let's say somebody in, you know, New York or you know, Virginia or Florida wants to see you. Do you see patients everywhere on Zoom? And how does that work? Um, so uh, the, the first question was, I'm sorry. I... About the saliva, okay, yeah. the urine so, and yeah. the blood test. Right. So uh, blood is obviously very accurate because it's blood. So uh, it, it can test all the hormones. The one that it can't test is cortisol. Uh, very well. And um, it's it's limited in the sense that it's like it, it only tells me what your hormones are while the needles in your arm. Right. So it's a it's a snapshot. It's a Polaroid, but it's very accurate and it's covered by insurance and you get the results in a couple of days. Urine is also uh, pretty accurate. It also checks. It's a 24 hour window, though. So it gives me more of a picture. Uh, it checks cortisol. It checks melatonin. It checks some vitamin levels. So there's more information in it. The downside is it doesn't do thyroid and it doesn't do vitamin D. 
And it's also more expensive. It's about $350 to $450, depending on where you get it tested. And it takes about three weeks to get the results back. So both of those have a lot of data to show their accuracy. The problem that I have with saliva is that it doesn't, salivary testing doesn't have the data to back it up. And actually there's a lot of studies that show you check the serum level and you check the, um, you check the serum and the, the saliva at the same time and the serum shows something completely different. Everybody secretes uh, hormones differently uh, in their saliva. Um, they may secrete it faster than the person next to them. So they're, it's not reproducible and it's not necessarily very uh, specific. So it, and the only the only data that shows it is, is the companies that make the saliva test. But I think that saliva is very inaccurate personally. And so I just don't use it. Mm. And then talk about kind of how you see patients. Patients, I I do telemedicine visits. When COVID was full on, um, we had a really relaxation of our telemedicine laws. And so I was just seeing as many people as wanted to see me. Now that things have kind of opened back up again, uh, Texas has a, most states have a law where you either have to have a license in that state to prescribe. So what I do is, I can always consult. I can always give information, um, but I do have, if you're going to need prescriptions or if you're going to want to stay with me as a patient, I have to see you at least physically, physically in Austin once a year. So um, it's just a once a year visit. Austin's a great place to visit. I actually have a lot of women now that do that. They'll just come out and do their one year visit and then I can prescribe for the next year. And so uh, it's really that otherwise I can, you know, and I'll take insurance. Um, but I think it's one of those things where if you can't make it, I can always just kind of weigh in on something and you know, maybe give you what I would do if you were a patient kind of a thing, but I can't keep seeing you and prescribing. Got it. Okay. One more question. Cause I, I really love what you said about the progesterone to estradiol ratio. And I've mm -hmm. been kind of doing a little bit of homework on this because I, I feel like it, it's something that no one talks about. And, and I will tell you from what, what I understand, and then I'd like you to clarify it just a little bit. So progesterone, they kind of call it PG and then estradiol, they call it E2. And so if you did the ratio where you said, okay, is it PG over E2? And then you look at that ratio to see what it is. Can you kind of explain that a little bit more? Am I explaining that right? Or Well, the problem is there isn't a real ratio it's not in the medical literature in the integrative type community. I think it's what we shoot for. So it's kind of like shooting for the middle of the road with your thyroid. That's probably where most women feel their best, um, mm -hmm. but not every woman. So, and that's just from years and years of doing this. I find that women that have uh, estradiol to progesterone ratio around 10 or 20 to one, they feel better. You start getting in the 100, 200, 300, 1500 to one. That's when you start having the issues with heavy, painful periods, breast tenderness, headaches, weight gain, um, things like that. Got it. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for being with us. This has been an absolute honor and tell yeah. listeners where they can find you and where they can follow you. 
uh, Instagram, Sean Tassone, MD, uh, TikTok, same. Um, and then uh, website, tassonemd.com. Or you can call the office at 512-956-0296. And you guys stay tuned. We've got another episode coming up in just a few. Bye-bye for now. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.